Thanks so much for being here today at our morning service. If you are new or if this is your first time here, a very, very warm welcome to you. Let's pray as we begin our service together. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the privilege to gather together and to worship you. Lord, please focus our hearts and our minds on you this morning. And please let us truly worship you. Let us truly worship you, Lord. In your name, Jesus, amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 130 and can be found on pages 624 to 625 of your church Bibles. Psalm 130 on pages 624 to 625. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my, to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. This is the word of the Lord. Today's New Testament reading is one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible, which is John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, and can be found on page 1066 of your church Bibles. John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, on page 1066. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son to condemn the into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the word of the Lord. I am happy to report to you all today that today we are going to be talking about some of our least favorite subjects. Get excited. The first subject is called hitting rock bottom. Anyone here like talking about times you've hit rock bottom? Of course not. We are also going to be talking about waiting. Waiting. Does anyone here like waiting? Any takers? Any takers? Yeah, we've got, one, we've got one person back there, great. Yeah, we don't like waiting. A few years ago, there was actually a study done about waiting where participants had to wait alone in a room for 15 minutes. And they could either choose to sit and do nothing, sit alone with their thoughts, or they could press a button on the table that would deliver an unpleasant electric shock to them. I think you all know what's coming, right? Rather than just sitting, 67% of the men chose to shock themselves <laughs> while they waited. 
and 25% of the women chose to shock themselves. Now this study teaches us two things that we all already knew. Firstly, that women are generally much smarter than men. <laughs> we all knew that. And secondly, that we humans just hate waiting. We hate waiting. Today we will talk about hitting rock bottom, we will talk about waiting, but we will also talk about hope. The hope of love and forgiveness that our God brings to us. Psalm 130 takes us through the feelings and the actions of a follower of God who has hit rock bottom. A follower of God who is in the depths. And today we're gonna learn some lessons from our psalmist as followers of Jesus, when we hit rock bottom, what do we do? We are gonna learn some lessons from the depths. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, please speak to us through your words in the Bible and please give us the courage, um, the, the ability um, and the strength to live them out. In your name, Jesus, amen. I want us to begin today by building an image in our minds that is given to us by the psalmist. So let's read verse three together from our psalm. If you, Yahweh, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? Let's imagine here that God is counting out our sins, keeping a record by using little rocks to mark them. Imagine you have a backpack on and every time we sin, every time we, we do something evil, God takes a little pebble, a little rock and places it into our backpack. Well, if we're honest with ourselves, pretty soon this backpack would start to get pretty heavy. Soon we'd have to start filling the side zippers, the pockets, eventually the backpack would be completely full and God would have to start stacking little pebbles on our heads, on our shoulders, into our arms. And very, very quickly, we wouldn't be able to stand up under the weight anymore. We would collapse, sit down, lay down. It would be too heavy for us. And despite us collapsing, the rock stacking wouldn't stop. Our sins would keep piling up. God would keep stacking and stacking until what started as a few pebbles in our backpack is now a mound of rocks that we're buried under. And soon this mound would grow as high as a house. It would keep growing, keep growing onwards and upwards until it became a mountain. If God counted our sins, they would be like a mountain upon us. And we would be laying there under that mountain crushed by the weight of our own sin. Unable to get up, unable to move, unable, like the psalmist said, to stand before God. If you, Yahweh, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? The answer is no one. No one could stand under the crushing weight of a mountain. No one. But thankfully, our psalmist doesn't stop here. In verse four, he tells us, but with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. But with you, there is forgiveness. With God, there is forgiveness. When one comes to faith in God, the mountain is bulldozed away, right? The big trucks and backhoes come, they excavate out the rocks, they take it away, gone forever. 
You stand up, empty the last few pebbles from your backpack, and you're free. There's no more rock stacking, no more pebbles being put on you. Through God, your sins are forgiven, no longer counted against you. This is wonderful news. This is glorious news, life-changing news, right? Jesus is the joy of our lives as his followers. And now one would think, well, you live the rest of your life in perfect joy, no more problems, no more worries, no more sorrows, everything is bliss. All right, sermon finished, right? Amen, let's get out of here, record time. Well, not so fast. If you've been on this earth for a while, if you've been following Jesus for a while, I think you will notice that things in life and things in the life of a Christian aren't always so peachy. We don't always feel joyful. We don't always rejoice that our sins have been forgiven. We don't even always feel like our sins have been forgiven in the first place. Sometimes we still feel like there's that mountain of sin upon us. At times, it feels like the distance, the separation from God is so great that we cannot overcome it. These feelings are nothing new. From thousands of years ago, our psalmist shares these with us. Let's read the beginning of our psalm once more, verses one and two. The psalmist says, out of the depths I cry to you, Yahweh. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Out of the depths I cry to you, exclaims the psalmist. Our psalmist feels like he is in the depths, a deep hole. He's probably imagining being stuck in what he thinks as the underworld. He feels like the weight of the mountain of his sin of what has happened in his life has crushed him, has pushed him under away from God. He feels like he is so far from God that God either can't or won't hear him. He begs God to hear his voice, to pay attention to him. Our psalmist is experiencing what we call the, the dark night of the soul. Moments in our lives when the darkness, the sadness, the desperation is so great, we feel it cannot be overcome. It is rock bottom. And God, well, God feels distant and we feel abandoned. Now the psalmist obviously knows intellectually in his mind that he has forgiveness in God. In verse four that we just read, he writes that with God, there is forgiveness. But he clearly doesn't feel forgiven. He, he surely doesn't feel close to God. The psalmist describes what we can all relate to, feeling in the depths, feeling crushed by a mountain and feeling far from God. Maybe you've felt this way in the past. Maybe you feel this way as you sit here right now. And it's almost a guarantee that you will feel this way at some point in the future. As Christians, we may feel this way because of our sin, as the psalmist is describing. Feeling the weight of our sin is like a mountain upon us, seeing the destruction we've caused to ourselves and to the people around us and the offense that we've done to God. Feeling so guilty and wondering, can God ever forgive me for what I've done? 
At other times, we may feel this darkness for many other reasons. The death of a loved one, pressure in school or work, mental illness, depression, anxiety, a disease or sickness, rejection, divorce, losing a friend. And it feels like God has abandoned us. We are in a pit and he can't hear us. We can know intellectually, objectively, that we're forgiven. We can know intellectually, objectively, that God is there with us in our pain, but that doesn't mean we feel it. And here we learn our first lesson from the psalmist, our first lesson from the depths. When you're stuck in the depths, cry out to God and remember that he is faithful despite how you feel. Cry out to God like the psalmist does. God wants us to share how we feel with him. But remember that no matter how you feel in the moment, that God is still faithful. When I had COVID a few years ago, like many of you, I completely lost my sense of taste and of smell for about a month. Did anyone else have that out there? Yeah. After several months, things slowly returned to normal. For some reason, everything sweet tasted sour for like six months. It was so weird. Probably healthy for me, right? <laughs> now, the food I ate still had flavor. It still had smell, still had all the molecules in it that made it a delicious food. And the people around me who ate the food could verify that there was still taste and there was still smell. Because I had COVID though, I couldn't sense it in the moment. I couldn't taste it or smell it. But my lack of ability to sense the taste and smell of the food didn't change the objective reality that the food still had taste and smell. The flavor and smell was always there, I just couldn't sense it in that moment. In the same way, when we don't feel God close to us, when we don't feel forgiven or heard as his followers, that doesn't change the reality of the situation. Our feelings in the moment don't change the fact that Jesus has brought us forgiveness of sins. Our feelings don't change the fact that God is with us. Our feelings don't change the fact that God is faithful to us. Our psalmist cries out to God in the first two verses, clearly feeling separated, condemned. But in verses three and four, despite how he's feeling, he proclaims the truth, the reality. It doesn't matter how he's feeling in the moment. The truth stays the same. He feels in the depths, but he remembers the truth that God, with God, there is forgiveness. So our first lesson from the depths is this. When you feel in the darkness, cry out to God and remember that he is faithful despite how you feel. Let's move on. What else does our psalmist do in the depths under the crushing mountain? What else is he getting up to down there? Let's read verses five and six together. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. All right, so here the psalmist teaches us to do the thing that we all hate, the thing that statistically 67% of the men in this room would rather be shocked by literal electricity 
then do. Wait. Wait for the Lord. We don't like to hear this, especially in our instant now society. We hate waiting. We want practical actions we can take to solve the problem. We want a five-step plan to bring us out of the depths. But the reality is, waiting is an action. Waiting is something we have to force ourselves to do, and it's often harder to do than anything else. The action that the psalmist takes here is that he waits. Waiting is something special. Waiting is an act of love and of trust. Let me show you what I mean. If you're getting surgery and your family and friends show up to wait in the lobby, and they wait five hours to hear from the doctor to get the chance to visit you, they wait out of love. They wait because they love you. And if you're the one who had surgery, and after you hear that they had waited for you for hours to hear how things went, waited to visit you, you would feel loved. You would feel cared for. You would understand that they waited because of their love. Here's another example. In the Old Testament, we have the story of Jacob and Rachel. Jacob loves Rachel and he wants to marry her, but in that culture, he knows he needs to pay a dowry to her family in order to marry her. And so he tells Rachel's father, Laban, that he will work for him for seven years. He will wait for seven full years in order to get Laban's blessing on their marriage. Now I can see all of you moms and dads out there taking notes right now, right? Daughter's boyfriend, labor seven years, it's biblical, right? No, don't do that. Jokes aside, it was a very, very different culture than the, the one we live in in Switzerland today. But Jacob waited for seven years to get to marry Rachel. And as the passage says, they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Jacob's waiting came out of his love. It was an act of love. And as we know, Laban made him work even seven more years after this, 14 years in total for his blessing. And Jacob did it. I don't know how Rachel felt about Jacob, if the feelings were reciprocated, right? She might've thought, man, this guy is way too into me, waiting all these years, weirdo, right? Also, he has bad hair, right? Who knows what she thought? We don't know. But I'm sure there was no doubt in Rachel's mind that Jacob loved her. I'm sure she felt that love, knowing that Jacob was willing to wait for years for her. It showed that Jacob's love was true. When we feel crushed, when we feel in the depths, and we consciously, purposely wait for God, it is an act of love on our part. It is a way of telling God that we know him and that we trust him. It is a way of telling God that we know that he loves us and that he knows what is best for us, even though we don't necessarily understand what is going on. Waiting for God is an act of love. The psalmist says that he waits, for the, he waits like the watchman waits for the morning. The watchman knows 
that the morning is going to arrive. The morning always comes. The watchman has never waited on the morning in vain. He knows refreshment is coming. The sun will come up. They made it safely through the night and he can now rest. In the same way, when we wait for God, we wait with expectation because we know who God is. We wait knowing that God loves us, that he cares for us, and that he is going to show up in his own perfect timing. He is going to refresh and restore us. It's only a matter of time. We won't be in the depths forever. We are going to once more feel his presence close to us. We are going to once more feel his forgiveness. As faithful as the sun rises in the morning, will we once again feel God with us? So our second lesson from the depths is this. When you feel in the depths, wait on God. Tell God, pray as the psalmist does, that you will wait for him. Tell and show God that through your waiting, that you love him. Wait in the expectation and knowledge that he will restore and refresh you. Now we come to the end of our psalm and we take one last lesson from our psalmist. Let's read verses seven and eight. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. The psalmist proclaims this to his people, the ancient Israelites, but Jesus has brought these promises that were, to, that were to them to all peoples who would follow him today. Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Hope in the Lord. This is the lesson that binds everything we've talked about today together. Constantly in the Old Testament, in the narrative, we see the Israelites, who the psalmist is speaking to, putting their hope not in God, but in other things. In their darkest days, they put their hope in human kings, despite God's warnings. They put their hope in their military strength, trusting horses and chariots, despite God's warnings. In their desperation, they put their hope in the gods and the idols of the people around them, placing idols in their houses, placing altars and idols of other gods in God's temple, some of them going as far as even sacrificing their own children to other gods, hoping for help from them. But these other things failed them miserably. Human kings failed them, their military failed them, these other gods failed them. When, they, when in the depths and when they put their hope in these idols, these things could not satisfy them. By their very nature, these things could not satisfy them. Today, thousands of years later, I think we all know that we are no different. In our darkest days, our hope is dragged a hundred different directions. There's a hundred different things promising us they will heal us, they will fulfill us, they will satisfy us, make us happy, only to leave us more empty. 
The gods of our world, materialism, power, lust, pleasure, romance, the self, offer momentary distraction, momentary pleasure, but nothing more. Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and full redemption. Unfailing love and full redemption. This is what we all truly want, and this is what we all truly need. And this is what God offers to us. When we are in our darkest places, no matter what we feel, we can hope in the truth that God's love is unfailing. It is steadfast, it is faithful, it will never fail, it cannot fail. When we are in the depths, no matter what we feel, we hope in the truth that God brings full redemption, that he himself redeems from all sins. Full redemption from all sins. Only when we do this, only when we hope in God's unfailing love and full redemption, can we remember that he is faithful despite how we feel. Only when we hope in God's unfailing love and full redemption can we wait on the Lord, as long as it takes, knowing his love will never, ever fail us. We see God's unfailing love in the full redemption he brings, clearly fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The verses many of us know that Lillian read earlier describes this truth so clearly. So let's read John 3, 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Through Jesus Christ, God ultimately showed his unfailing love for us. The son of God, the person of the Trinity, willingly coming and dying for the very people who rejected him. And through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, God offers us full redemption full forgiveness of all of our sins. Objectively, as followers of Jesus, God has taken that mountain of rocks, mountain of sin that crushes us away forever. Objectively, God loves you and is with you in the pit, no matter how you feel. So in conclusion, what are the lessons from the depths that the psalmist has taught us today? When you're in the depths, no matter what you feel, remember that God is faithful. Wait on the Lord. As surely as the sun rises in the morning, he will come and he will refresh you. And over everything, put on hope. Hope in Jesus alone. His love is unfailing, eternal, and he has fully redeemed you. Let's pray together. Lord, you are so good. No matter where we are today, whether we're feeling great, whether we are feeling terrible, Lord, let us put our hope in you. Let us remember that you are faithful. Let us wait on you. God, thank you that your love is unfailing and that you bring us full redemption. You are so good. In your name, Jesus, amen. Remember that the Lord is faithful. Wait on him. He will come 
and refresh you in hope and in his unfailing love and his full forgiveness. Receive the benediction. May the Lord guide you always. May you be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. When you cry for help, may the Lord always say, here I am. Go in peace.